Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Joshua Beck and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Joshua Beck. We want to welcome you to the new WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, your co-host, along with our new co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, and we are delighted to welcome him into our studio. Dr. Beck is a well-med physician, a PCP, sees patients, and does all the stuff that real doctors do in clinic and elsewhere, and we're just pleased, really, to have you here. Thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to be here, and, and I look forward to this opportunity of being your new co-host, Ron. Now, you earned your medical degree at uh, Guadalajara University? I did. Uh, had I, to speak Spanish. I had to, yeah. I kind of grew up speaking Spanish. My mom is from Mexico, and so that, you know, Spanish was my first language, uh, despite uh, growing up here in, in uh, Texas, in San Antonio. I was born in Dallas, and I uh, grew up in San Antonio, and so that obviously was very helpful. What brought your family here? Uh, my, my dad is a uh, uh, physician here in San Antonio, and, and, and really that's what brought us here. Is that why you wanted to be a doctor? Your dad was the role model. Uh, you know, I think that was part of it, and I really enjoyed science growing up. And so I think that, you know, just, you know, the science, the biology, anatomy, you know, just really. And, and then my dad being a doc kind of clued me in. And we have other docs in the family, so that that was kind of a, uh, I guess, a segue into going into uh, medicine. Brothers and sisters? I have two sisters. Uh, both of them uh, uh, are married. One lives in Mexico. And uh, uh, the other one lives here in San Antonio. They're both uh, younger sisters. Now your mom is Mexican. My mom is Mexican, yeah. And that's how you Mexican-American now. You know, she's lived here more of her life than she, than she uh, grew up in Mexico, but yes. And she spoke Spanish at home? And she did. She spoke Spanish. My dad at the time was in residency. And so, uh, you know, obviously, you know, my mom uh, would speak Spanish to, you know, to us. And uh, that ended up being my first, sang- first uh, language. Once they uh, figured that I couldn't get along with the neighborhood kids, you know, they thought, well, it might be a good idea to teach them how to speak a little English. And so you picked that up as well. And so I picked that up, yeah. Well, kids are sponges. You can learn languages like my daughter, Reagan, is seven, and our twins are six. All are Mm -hmm. in Spanish immersion, and they pick it up like nothing. Yeah, you know, I I think if I could have spoken a, a third or fourth language, I think that would have been great. Uh, you know, my dad would always brag about, you know, speaking all these other languages growing up in the uh, military background. You know, he would travel a lot with his uh, with his parents. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, none were spoken at the house, just uh, Spanish and English. So interesting. Yes. Now, for you uh, in medical school in mm-hmm. Guadalajara, how, how would that be different than going to med school at UT Health in San Antonio, for example? Well, other than the language. Other than the language. Well, you know, uh, to be quite honest, you know, the uh, preparation in Mexico, <clears throat> even though I took part in a uh, international, um, it was, they had two programs, the Mexican program and, and the international program. Uh, the international program was tailored more towards those uh, foreign medical graduates like myself that wanted to come back to the U.S. Uh, but, you know, really the preparation is really to be a doctor in Mexico. Uh, so I will say, uh, you know, that was it. So it was, a, it was a little harder, a little more challenging to come back. Uh, but on a positive uh, note, you know, you were really exposed to clinical medicine from day one. Whereas, uh, and I know that that has changed here in the U.S., but in the past, it used to be that clinical medicine, seeing patients, examining patients didn't occur until your third year in med school. The first two years were just theory-based. Classroom. 
classroom, and uh, and that's changed. And so I, I think that's actually a good point for the U.S. to start getting hands-on experience from the beginning. Uh, you know, and, and I remember my first day in uh, my first guardia or um, kind of when I was on call when I was in Mexico uh, during my first semester, I had to learn how to suture and I didn't know how to suture. And they're like, there you are. Learn how to suture. It was a little on more a real person, on a real person. It was a little more entailed than that. But, yeah, it was kind of like that. But it was uh, so I'm thankful for that. It was there was a lot of clinical experience from the get go. And uh, and other than the language, you know, it was just, you know, it was it was good. It was but nice. you already spoke Spanish. But I spoke Spanish. So the first two years were in were in uh, Spanish and 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 uh, the, the latter two years were supposed to be in English, but they kind of were in Spanglish a little bit. So but it worked out. You know, it was nice I, since I understood both. So now seeing patients mm-hmm. early on uh-huh. uh, taught you a lot about what patients can teach you. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of it is based on listening to the patient, listening to what they have to say, you know, if they have a rash or whatever, you know, them, you know, the patient showing you and explaining, you know, the history. And so it's very important to get a good history. And so that was that was a real big factor to not try to jump in and ask questions and maybe take a, 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 you know, a seat back and listen and then, you know, come up with an idea based on the examination and what you think is going on. Now, if you just joined us, welcome to WellMed Radio. My name is Ron Aaron. I'm co-host along with our new co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. For those who you are, who, of you who are wondering, uh, nurse practitioner Cora Juke, who has been our co-host, was recently promoted up and out of this studio and doing a whole lot more for Optum and is involved in administration, working on her doctorate at the University of Texas, Houston. And she is uh, up, up, and away. But you're here. I am here, yeah. What, oh. one, what made you want to do radio? Uh, you know, I think uh, public health, you know, uh, maybe being more informative. You know, I'm sure that many people have questions about, you know, certain health topics. And I guess maybe giving a good explanation or I guess my opinion based on my experience as a doctor working in San Antonio, um, you know, might um, help, you know, pati- patients and people in general better understand their health. When you went to medical school, at some Mm -hmm. point, you have to figure out, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. Lots of stuff you can do in medicine. Mm -hmm. Why family doctoring for you? Why a family doc? Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, my dad is a, uh, or was an ER physician. Now he does urgent care and family practice. And, uh, you know, for me, family practice was nice because it's a little bit about everything. It's not just one, you know, organ system. Ah, another broken bone. There you go. Yeah, it's not just, you know, oh, no, I'm sorry, I got to refer you to a specialist for that question. And so for me, it was just, you know, it was a well-rounded, you know, you know a little bit about everything. And then you take care of all ages uh, in general as a family practitioner. So you see kids. Uh, sometimes you can see newborns and then you see them up until they're, you know, until they're uh, a little older. And so, you know, I like that. Now, for a long period of time, mm-hmm. WellMed Medical Management really saw only Medicare-eligible seniors. But mm-hmm. you're opening up the clinics now to uh, those who have uh, business insurance, who are covered by their mm-hmm. employer, who mm-hmm. may be 18 and over. Mm-hmm. You welcome the change? I do. I do. You know, uh, it's... Uh, Unfortunate to say that there are many uh, seniors that have a lot of medical problems, a lot of um, uh, medical conditions, and so sometimes seeing some uh, you know younger patients that don't have those medical uh, you know complications at this point, 
uh, you know, it's nice because you can kind of help educate them from the beginning so that they don't develop those. But for me also as a physician, you know, seeing patients, you know, it's a nice little balance in between the more complex patients I see. Now, I had asked you uh, before we uh, did this show to tell me a little bit about yourself. And mm-hmm. one of the things that you highlighted on your uh, uh, bio is that you're into a form of martial arts. I which am. Which I had not heard of this one. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, so I'm, I, I, uh, I'm a uh, wing, wing Chun, uh, you know, and there's different, different variations of Wing Chun. There's a Chun with a C-H-U-N, so I'm in a Wing Chun, T-S-U-N. I study uh, here in San Antonio, and it's a uh, Chinese Kung Fu martial arts, and uh, I got into that after watching uh, a few movies. Uh, Ip, Ip Man or IP Man, I don't know if you've heard of no. those. They're very, very good. They talk about the story of Wing Chun and how it developed in China. Uh, and, uh, you know, a little theatrical performance there, you know, with uh, the choreography and such. But it really enthused me. And so I've been doing that now for about four years. And it's a great cardiovascular exercise, uh, one of self-discipline. And, you know, and I've, I've always grown up liking martial arts and participating in, in martial arts. And so it was just the next thing to do, you know, based on the other uh, martial arts uh, branches, I guess you can say, I've studied. I have a vision of you in that little white coat you're wearing. <clears throat> Not your medical coat, but your little kung fu coat. You started at what age? Do you remember? Uh, with Wing Chun or just martial arts? Just martial arts. Mar- uh, I was probably nine, and I was doing a Kuk Sul Wan here uh, in San Antonio. And, uh, and we had a special dress attire for that. You know, and every school kind of has their own dress attire. When I was in college, I did a little Shotokan karate. I did a little Aikido. And uh, it's interesting because actually with this uh, form, we don't actually have a traditional dress attire. We just wear, you know, some uh, gym pants and a logo T-shirt. And uh, there's no belt. And it's all based on time and, you know, your experience as the uh, – you know, the Sifu, as they like to say, the sensei, the Sifu uh, sees, you know, how you're advancing and then promotes you accordingly. And are, are there levels of promotion? There are levels of promotion. So uh, at, at my uh, three-year mark, I, uh, I made a, a first-level technician, which would be the equivalent of a black belt. And, uh, and then from there, there are other levels. But, you know, in this non-traditional form, it's really just time, time commitment. So... I'm sure there are promotions, but I don't know what they are right now. I think right now it's just the membership fee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what is it that it does for you when you think about uh, mm-hmm. spending time on this form of a martial arts? Well, you know, I think it's a good uh, work-life balance. So it allows me to clear my head, you know, stay conditioned, feel good about myself because I'm exercising. You know, I'm uh, pumping the blood to my brain to my extremities, circulating the blood, you know, oxygenating the tissue, uh, helping to stay active and healthy. And, uh, and it's really a stress reliever, too, I think, you know. I know that the opponents I practice with don't really think so, you know, but when I get a chance to practice with them and, you know, sometimes there's a hit here or there, you know, obviously it's, you know, in a playful uh, manner, you know, because we're just practicing. Uh, but it's a good stress reducer. Do you wear gloves? Uh, we don't. We don't wear gloves. But there's no, you know, full frontal contact. It's just uh, simulated, so to speak. And in this uh, uh, sport, you use your feet as well as your hands? We use, we use the feet as well as the hands. We do. We don't do the high karate-style kicks, uh, but there are kicks. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with uh, dexterity and uh, hand movement uh, and uh, using your body, you know, 
to propel the energy forward to strike the you know the opponent. So I assume it gives you a real sense of balance. It does both physically and mentally. I think it does. I, I, I really do. I think it does. And uh, you know, it allows uh you know, it allows me to do something non traditional, you know, for compared to working out, you know, and riding a bike and doing that kind of stuff. So it's just something that allows me to use all my extremities and uh and it really is a, a, a good balance uh, you know, workout. Now you also are involved in a sport and we'll get you to tell a little more about it, racquetball. I used to play a lot of racquetball. Yeah, I think that's another very, very good sport. Very a little round ball on a court and a, yes. a racket, and you got to hit it above the line, and you play against somebody. Yeah, very fast pace. You know, you got to really be agile and be able to move and you know run across the court to get to the ball, but also to avoid getting hit <laughs> by the ball. By the ball, given given how fast the ball uh, you know traverses from wall to wall, and so uh, yeah, that's another good passion of mine. Unfortunately. Maybe about six weeks ago, I sprained my ankle oh. playing racquetball, and and so I still haven't fully recouped from that, and so I'm still you know nursing the ankle. It's almost there, but you know we're going to give it a little bit more time before I get back into that. We're going to find out when a doctor sprains an ankle. Do you see a doctor? I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Joshua Beck, and uh, we're going to be back with you in just a moment. Thank you. We're excited to bring you the all new WellMed Radio. Our goal here is to help make listeners healthier by focusing on health and wellness for adults everywhere. The new WellMed Radio features our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, an outstanding family physician, and me, attorney and veteran broadcaster, Ron Aaron. Every week, we will discuss health, prevention, and wellness that is critical to the quality of life for everybody. Plus, we'll bring on outstanding experts on a variety of issues, and they'll join us on the weekly half-hour program, the all-new WellMed Radio. Well, we are so pleased you are with us here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. And we've been talking a little bit about his background, graduated medical school in Guadalajara, and is a PCP, a primary care physician in family practice at the WellMed Clinic 410 and Centerview. You like what you're doing? I do like what I do. Yeah, I do. Now, we were talking about racquetball. Uh-huh. You bust up an ankle. Uh-huh. Do you see a doctor or do you self-medicate and treat? Yeah, I think that's probably uh, why well, I, I can't. I shouldn't speak for most physicians, but I, 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 it's fair to assume that the majority of us, you know, unless it's a serious issue, probably see ourselves. Uh, so, yeah, I just, you know, I knew how to take care of a sprained ankle, so I just kind of, you know, nursed my own ankle. You know, the line is in law, I happen mm-hmm. to be a lawyer. Uh, lawyers who represent themselves have a fool for a client. Do they now? <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the rule of thumb. That, but in medicine, uh-huh. I mean, obviously you know the body and you know your own pain mm-hmm. and threshold. Correct. Yes. So I, uh, you know, I I knew what I had, you know, and um, you know, I knew it wasn't a serious injury, and so I was able to manage it by myself. Uh, my biggest fear was I was going on a long trip, you know, requiring a lot of walking. So I, luckily, was able to get a quick X-ray and make sure that there was no little tiny fracture which is the only thing that, you know, everybody else seemed to be worried around me, my wife and my mother and such. But uh, luckily it's healing and it's, it's moving in the right direction. So hopefully racquetball will not be in my too far, you know, too distant future. What about uh, military martial arts? Does that slow you down too? Well, it does to, to a certain degree. And it's unfortunate I had to take a little temporary leave of absence of that because of the uh, footwork. Uh, but I have been able to get back into that. That doesn't require running or jumping and, 
you know, luckily that's a little bit easier to maneuver than running up and down the court. Now, the other thing you mentioned, uh, Dr. Beck, that you like doing mm-hmm. is weightlifting. Mm-hmm. And is that something that you share with your patients that uh, no matter what your age, from 18 on up, uh, exercising with weights is probably a good idea? I think it is a good idea. I think it helps increase circulation. It helps keep muscle tone, increase muscle strength. Um, I think especially for the you know, uh, older patients, you know, the elderly patients that have osteoporosis, uh, or maybe they have a tendency towards uh, osteopenia, which is a step before osteoporosis, or, or weakening of the bone. Um, I think that uh, weight uh, lifting exercises, even if it's with a small amount of weight, will help strengthen the bone and keep them strong. It's one of the things that, that I tell my patients to do uh, that have uh, a tendency to have uh, weaker bones. And uh, so, yes, I think, I think it's good. Plus, it helps cut down um, muscle fat or uh, fat in general and uh, uh, promote uh, lean muscle. And so um, I think it's an all-around good, you know, you know uh, aerobic exercise and, uh, you know, uh, uh, muscle-strengthening exercise. I read somewhere that mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to invest in a heavy weight set at home. You can just lift cans of soup. I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. And, you know, and, and to go along with that, they actually do recommend for those that can body weight exercises actually tend to help. So there are many exercises that you can do at your house uh, without, uh, you know, having any any weights per se or a weight set where you just use you simply use your own body as a mechanism of, uh, of weight uh, to exercise. I think of push ups. I think uh, of push ups. Exactly. Push ups, sit ups. Uh, you can do uh, crunches, uh, you know, squats. You know, there's a variety of exercises that you can do, and I tend to share share with my patients, give them handouts on exercises that they can try. Obviously, if they're, you know, if it's if it's safe for them, you know, they're not using a cane or a walker. I don't want them to to try to do a squat, you know, but um, the, the, it depends on the person. So. Dr. Robin Eikoff, who both of us know, and she was the mm-hmm. first co-host of WellMed Radio, uh, tells her patient that of all the things they, they could do, squats are probably the best. And all you have to do is practice getting up in and out of a chair without your hands. Exactly. And so that is a very, very simple maneuver that some uh, patients, you know, who, who have a hard time, you know, exercising, maybe because, you know, they're, they're a little bit weaker or they're, um, you know, a little frail or maybe uh, a weight issue. Uh, that is an exercise that they can do simply, you know, from, uh, you know, being in the chair and, and getting up and or, you know, going up and down stairs, you know, is another good exercise. He's Dr. Joshua Beck, our co-host here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron. We're delighted to have you with us. The new WellMed Radio with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. It's a half hour show and it comes to you Saturdays and Sundays. Details to come soon and you'll learn all about it. We hope you join us when when you think about exercise and diet of all the things patients can do no matter what their age is that the best i i would say so i i would say that um especially for you know patients that you know i hear it all the time you know they come in to see me and they say that you know though they're having such a hard time losing weight and uh you know they uh or getting back into in the shape you know because the summer you know is upon us and uh you know they want to go to the beach and so um, a lot of times I always share, you know, you know, they may be working on the diet, but if they're not exercising and sweating, uh, then they're not really burning calories or enough calories, you know, to, to convert that, uh, you know, that stored fat into uh, energy, right, that the body can consume. 
uh, also uh, on the uh, on the opposite side of that would be um, uh, exercising. You know, maybe they're working on their diet, but if they're not, well, actually, I take that back. Um, working on the diet's the other thing. So exercise is one. Working on the diet's the other. Um, and they really need to commit to exercise every day. So usually, what I'll tell them is at least twenty minutes of uh, twenty to thirty minutes of uh, y- you know mild to moderate exercise uh, daily is good. And that would be uh, walking, you know, like a brisk full walk, and about seventy. They say sixty to seventy minutes of moderate to high intensity exercise uh, a week is really what you need to be doing in order to maintain, uh, you know, your physique and not, you know, start uh, uh, gaining weight and just, you know, feel good, stay healthy. And uh, so the, you know, so that would be, you know, riding a bike, jogging, you know, something like that. So you can answer the million dollar question. Why is it when you're 18, you really don't gain weight and you can take it off in the blink of an eye. And when you're older, 50, 60, 70, 80, it's a lot harder to take the weight off. You know, I think it comes down to metabolism. So the metabolism of the young young adult is uh, very, very higher. That's how they're burning food. Exactly. So their metabolism is much, much higher. They're also very, uh, they're very active. You know, they don't, they don't go to work uh, or, you know, just speaking in general terms, you know, they don't sit at a desk all day from eight to five, you know, and barely get up just to go to the bathroom and maybe get a glass of water. And, uh, you know, so I think part of that is activity. They're a lot more active. You know, they're probably in college or in high school or some school of some sort and uh, participating in sports or extracurricular activities. I think the metabolism is is the other portion of that. And so I really think, you know, those factors are what really makes the difference. And as you get older, you know, the more you're accustomed to, to not exercising and not working on your diet. And, you know, and for those people that are concerned about their weight and have gained weight, uh, the metabolism slows down, and so it takes a lot more energy to burn the fat uh, to lose weight than it does uh, when you're younger. They joke about the uh, freshman 10 when you go off to college. There is the senior 25. Is that so? You yeah. must see a lot of patients who could stand to lose some weight. I can, yeah, especially uh, it's sad to say in uh, you know South Texas and San Antonio, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, obesity and uh, diabetes and and, you know so a lot of my patients I really have to counsel on the whole diet and exercise and so one of the nice things with uh, with WellMed is that uh, you know we have a senior center for our our WellMed patients and and at no cost at no cost and they can go there and 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 mingle with other seniors and and walk and exercise and also through United they get uh, uh, a membership uh, to a gym and I'm not sure what gym it is uh, I'd I think like it's any of the gold gyms I, or others. Yeah, I think you're correct. And so, you know, and that's it, you know, that's included in the membership. And so I, I like to ta- tell my patients that they should, you know, consider that as an option. And uh, some do and, you know, some don't. We, and we have that conversation in four or six months. <laughs> Again. conversation. Yeah. Now, would you consider yourself a gym rat? Uh, no, I, I would say that maybe, uh, you know, in the past that was the case, you know. But now, you know, being married and... And uh, kids. You know, having kids, you know, and, and also, you know, 
uh, you know, it's difficult to be a doc. You know, you have to see patients. You know, you, you, you know, your mind has to be there. You, you have to be able to answer all these questions. You're always using your brain. You're analyzing labs and documents, you know, a- answering questions, you know, patient questions. And so it takes a lot out of you, too. And so I think that, you know, sometimes you want to just unwind at the end of the day. But you have to make that effort, right? So I try to, to force myself, so to speak, uh, you know, t- to uh, take time for myself and exercise, you know, and, and, uh, and, and stay healthy. Several years ago, I lived in a little town called Hume, Virginia, and there was one little country store gas station owned by Mrs. Wright. And Mrs. Wright had a sign on the wall that said, you know, life would be so much better if you didn't have to have customers. Really? It's like doctors. If you yeah. didn't have to have patients, man, what a great profession, right? It, yeah, that would be a great profession. You know, that would be one in which, uh, you know, you wouldn't do really a lot, but, you know, you wouldn't really be able to provide for your family, I guess. You know? But you could get to the gym. But you could get to the gym, you know. Yeah, and for those bodybuilders that do that all day and get paid doing that, then I'm sure they're they're really happy, you know, with what they do. And, you know, and, and plus they're able to maintain that excellent physique, you know. Now, when you think about the choice you made to, mm-hmm. to go into uh, – medicine and, mm-hmm. and family practice, uh, what would you encourage your kids to do or would you just let them make their own choice? I think that for me personally, I would let them make their own choice. You know, obviously, if they're, if they're interested in medicine, I would just, you know, talk to them about, you know, the ups and downs, uh, the, you know, the perks of, of, of being a doc, you know, the, uh, all the studies that you have to do, the years of, you know, relentless hour, hour, you know, hours on end uh, studying for board exams. And, uh, you know, but ultimately it's their decision, whatever they want to do. And I think my dad, uh, you know, my grandfather gave me great advice and said that, you know, uh, you know, work, you know, what you do in life, you know, you have to know that it's something that you're going to enjoy and you're going to love because you're going to be doing it hopefully for the rest of your life. Bingo. Got to stop you right there. WellMed Radio with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll catch you again next week on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.